Oh yes indeed, there are more questions and answers. Like why is I am the shortest sentence in the English language, yet I do is the longest sentence. Hi America, <laughs> hello world. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions and answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you've just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you've just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of that would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the week's darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations. She does all of her best work in the shadows, and she is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society. She brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised this week that older people start reading the Bible because they are cramming for their final exam. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> I haven't started yet, so that's all right. Yes, I would make a start now. You're one of the what? few people that walks into a church and catches fire. <laughs> I have to stand behind it with a fire blanket. <laughs> we also have with us the analytical... And analytical. Analytical. Abominable. And <laughs> Kim's on minus one. <laughs> we also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim spent a sleepless week wondering if artificial sweetener causes cavities in dentures. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He's married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He's also our sound engineer and producer. Kim has wondered, oh, Kim, Greg has wondered all week. It's so, because Kim hasn't Greg. shaved this week, it's difficult to. <laughs> <laughs> the best is when I call you. Uh, Grim and Grim, Keg. Grim and Keg. We've had Grim and Keg with us tonight. Greg's been everything during the course of this two years. I even called him Grog once. Grog has wondered all week why they call someone late if they die early welcome to the show greg <laughs> hey, hello we are 
Series 2, Episode 6. Did you know that insects have six legs? Unless, of course, you're a small boy, and then it's any number below that, I'm guessing. What do you call a spider with no legs? Ant. A current. You're close. <laughs> six is traditionally the number of feet a person is buried into the ground, of course. Six is a lucky number in Chinese culture. So the luckiest number you can have in Chinese culture is six. Six, six, as that is three times the amount of good luck. And the Bible states that the seraphim, which is a hierarchy of angel, has six wings. And it is the only single place in the entire Bible that states that angels have wings. There's one part of the Bible, just one sentence, that says the seraphim had six wings. And if my memory serves me right, they used those wings to cover their faces, their bodies, and their feet. So we are on episode six. Before we go into the darkness and do this week's stories of the strange, bizarre, and paranormal, I'd just like to send out a really big thank you to all of our listeners worldwide. We have uh, listeners from all over the world, in the Americas, of course, and in uh, Great Britain. We have listeners in Lithuania, Germany, Australia, Mexico, Denmark, Canada, and many, many more places around the world. So thank you for listening. The other thing I'd like to do is just welcome our listeners now on darkmatterradio.net. So if you're listening via Dark Matter, welcome to the show. Where have you been for the last two years? But thank you for tuning in, and we appreciate that. One other thing I want to mention to people is that when we're on Dark Matter Radio, we have to censor the show a little bit. So if you want some extras, like you get DVD extras, <laughs> if you go to SoundCloud and you type in MQTA Radio, more questions and answers radio, MQTA Radio, you will find all of our shows archived over the last two years. But you'll find an extra 15 to 20 minutes on every show that we put out that is uncensored. We have a round in our show called Not For Your Mother. So if you're listening on Dark Matter Radio and you'd like to hear the final 20 minutes of the show where we use the stories from around the world that your mother would not want to listen to and are liable to get us taken off of air. So for public decency reasons, we can't air those 20 minutes live on a Friday night on Dark Matter Radio. But if you wish to listen to the DVD extras, if you want a bit more of the show, the parts of the show that we're not allowed to put out live, the stories from around the world in the round of Not For Your Mother, then just jump onto SoundCloud, go to MQTA Radio, and you will find those shows on there. And of course, you're welcome to join me on Facebook as well. If you go to More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, you'll find all of tonight's stories and all the links to where this particular radio show can be found so we're going to jump into the round that is ghosts and hauntings i have a story here that says i'm being stalked by ghosts and i found out thanks to liam gallagher who is that liam gallagher was the lead singer of oasis if you remember the songs wonderwall oh yeah 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 he is the Got lead it. singer it's the first time in fact that liam gallagher has actually been useful in his life Oh, <laughs> all points already. I didn't know he was dead. He's not. Oh, oh. let me read the story. How about I read the story before you jump in and keep interrupting me? A carer said she is being stalked by ghosts with one ghoul possessing Liam Gallagher's voice while she was listening to him sing. Emma Landers also regularly hears the newborn baby she lost calling for mum. The 44-year-old claims she was listening to Oasis when a blood-curdling scream 
came from the sound system. See, even the ghosts can't stand their music. It should be used in exorcisms. <laughs> that was 1994, and it was the start of a spooky 21 years, which has seen Emma share a garden with a ghost who shot himself a hundred years earlier and caused her to forget her name. If you're listening, it's Emma. <laughs> Frighteningly, one ghost caused her to repeatedly and violently projectile vomit, like a scene from The Exorcist. This is the ghost of last night's Taco Bell. After the horrifying experience, Emma from Bebbington in Merseyside was so scared that she moved house. But she had no idea why ghosts were so enamoured with her. I'm guessing it's because she's special. Emma said, over the years, ghouls have followed me. They followed me when I was walking down the street in hotels and in cemeteries. In the summer of 2012, I was sipping juice in my cousin's rosy garden. I spotted an old man by the fence. I said to Rosie, I didn't know you share a garden with your neighbours. Rosie took me inside and showed me a picture of a man in a flat cap. It was who I had seen. Rosie told me he used to live there, but he had shot himself a hundred years earlier. She'd never seen him herself, but somehow I had. She recalls the day in 1996 when she first realised she was being stalked, thanks to the Gallagher brothers. It was September 1996 and I had moved into a new flat, she said. I stuck an Oasis cassette on. A few minutes into the track, a blood-curdling shriek came from the tape. I'd listened to it loads of times and it had never done that before. It sent shivers down my spine. It sounded really sinister. Emma said it was a few nights later that she became suddenly ill. I was sound asleep when I felt the sudden urge to be sick, she recalled. I ran to the bathroom and only just made it. My pupils were dilated and I couldn't speak. It's almost like she was backstage with Oasis, isn't it? <laughs> An ambulance was called and doctors were baffled. A few days later, I was feeling better and was allowed home. But the next day, I woke up feeling ill again. I couldn't even remember my own name. I told you earlier, it's Emma. <laughs> even my dog Benson freaked out I wonder if Benson forgot his name as well <laughs> one day Benson jumped from a first floor window luckily he was fine just a bit shaken the mum of five also hears footsteps up and down the stairs in her house all day long but she feels her gift is a positive despite being followed by spirits she just needs her music collection exercised Wow. What Maybe great... those footsteps that she's hearing are the five kids. There you go. What a fabulous way to start tonight's show. I'm going to give myself a fabulously round three That's not round. Points. It's, well, a, th a three's not round. No. It's got not a even even. It's got a round bottom. <laughs> it's got a flat. If anyone knows of someone with a flat top and a round bottom, it's a number three, I tell you. <laughs> Heather, what have you got? It's like Sesame Street. More questions than answers were brought to you by the number three. No, it's got to be three laughs. It's got to oh. be... What well, does he go count Dracula? Three chocolate meringues. Ha! 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 Yeah. Good right. enough. Okay. Are you going to read your story I or are we going to do Sesame Street impressions all night? Well, whatever. Woman claims poltergeist activity in her home. Donna Ayers Hang on a second. Is this a story about ghosts and hauntings? I thought I could slip it by you. Wow. In the Ghosts and Hauntings round. Maybe. Who knew such things? Do I'll continue. disappoint you later. I'm, well, I'm hoping. 
Donna Ayers claims that she has been plagued by paranormal experiences for more than five years. The 33-year-old and her family have been forced to move house multiple times since the activity began back in 2009. Now in an attempt to document and better understand the phenomena, she has started recording each incident and posting the videos online. Examples include unexplained knocking sounds, household objects they moving can, around I by themselves. <laughs> A flying no, pig? you can't move anything by yourself. <laughs> <sighs> You've been talking to my mother, haven't you? <laughs> and the appearance of mysterious scratch marks on the walls at night. I believe this is happening because death has always followed me, but I have a strong suspicion that a spirit could be my brother who died when I was younger, she said. Probably the worst time was when I was pinned to the bed. I'll never forget it. It was very traumatic. Now, why would her brother pin her to the bed? I'm just saying. Because they live in Texas? Oh. Oklahoma. Kansas. Iowa. Uh, Iowa. Iowa. Oh, there. We just insulted, what, six states? Yes, and three listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The videos that she has uploaded to YouTube, which show various physical disturbances, such as objects moving on their own, have attracted a great deal of skepticism from Internet users, with many arguing that the footage has been faked using hidden cables and other tricks, I think, such as magnets, if I've seen correctly it's all done with magnets i tell you that's right it's hard to get the footage as sometimes the paranormal activity is too quick to film she said conveniently enough it's interesting you should say that but i've done experiments where it's believed that some spirits come from other dimensions right they're sure right so if they're moving at a faster or a slower rate than our dimension is it is possible when she says they're moving too fast to capture that could actually be true because what i've done in the past is set up an infrared strobe camera in a basement then with a static ir camera filming it because the police use a strobe system to take photograph of license plates that are moving really fast and if you want to take photographs of machinery that's moving very fast you use a strobe light and it captures the photograph and makes it still so that is actually true if anyone wants to try this buy yourself an infrared strobe light and then an infrared camera set the two up and you'll be amazed to see that if there's other dimensions moving faster than our own you may be able to capture them by using that technology so that's quite an interesting uh philip to your story well hold on i'm not done yet she said that uh, she thinks that she has done well to catch what she has with a basic camera phone I don't know how that's possible. With a pencil and paper. Yeah, that too. Uh, one of the videos which shows a coin moving inside a jar can be viewed uh, if you search for the story online. So you've got to search for, search for coin moving in jar. Yeah. Just do a search for coin. <laughs> do it. Coin, do it now. <laughs> coin moving in jar. I'm going to give you two points just because the story is actually relevant to the round, which is a unique uh, phenomenon. So I'm going to give you two points for being relevant on tonight's show. Whatever. Kim, you're on minus one for being lippy. What have you got tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? World's oldest pretzels found in Germany. why am i here (laughs) let me read the next this isn't relevant you're going to be on minus three you know that the first words are the ghosts and hauntings the first words in the next sentence are the remains the remains it's the remains (laughs) i'm going off of that (laughs) 
I was haunted once by a dodgy watermelon that I had in India that gave me amoebic dysentery. That's haunted me ever since. Does that count? I've been haunted by a... Can you imagine being haunted by a watermelon? You're laying in bed and you see the ghostly shape roll across the bedroom floor. You know when you've had a good watermelon when you're shaking the pips out of your ears? Oh. It's true. Come on then, let's hear it. The remains of two pretzels dating back 250 years... 250 were discovered beneath the floor of an old bakery. Okay. The centuries-old baked snacks were uncovered during recent excavations in the city of Regensburg, Germany, and were found alongside a selection of other food items, including a piece of bread shaped like a croissant. <laughs> you mean a croissant, then? <laughs> and three baked rolls that all appeared to have been discarded beneath the floorboards. She's being haunted by bread and confectionery. <laughs> I'm being followed around by custard tarts. <laughs> Terrible. Do you know that phrase, you can't have your cake and eat it? Yes, It's you not can. true. It's not true, I tell you. <laughs> it's almost like a prison sentence. There's laws in some of the states in Southern America that says you can't have your cake and eat it. So if you've got your cake, you've got a nice piece of bread pudding. If you eat that as well, you can actually be arrested for that. You get two years in jail. Imagine you're in a jail in Alabama and you've got three people in your cell with you. And you say, what are you in here for? And one of them says... You know, I'm in here for armed robbery. Well, what are you in here for? Well, I'm in here for embezzlement. What about you? Well, I'm in here for car theft. What are you in here for? Well, I, I had my cake and I ate it. And they go, oh, no, it's a lifer. I'm just saying. You can't. <laughs> it's some states in America you can't have. And life's not a bowl of cherries as well while we're on the subject. Okay, Anything Kim, else? You're being haunted by pretzels. <laughs> Uh, it is believed that the building belonged to a baker during the 18th century and that the items had been accidentally burned before being thrown away, a factor that aided in their preservation. As far as I know, these are the world's oldest pretzels, said Sylvia Codrana Windauer of the Bavarian State Department of Monuments and Sites. You know, we always find tons of ceramics, glass, metalworks, or bones, but just such glimpses of everyday life are extremely rare. Pretzels were thought to have been invented sometime in the 5th or 6th century by monks who twisted strips of dough together to look like arms crossed in prayer. Wow, I didn't know that, actually. Well, there you go. That is informative, although I am struggling because it has nothing to do with ghost hauntings. <laughs> go on, hauntings. go on, minus three. You, no, I'm going to give you a couple of points there. You're on, you're on one. You're back up to, to one. You've made it past zero and you're into positive why are you looking so glum are you unhappy because is, i at least had a witch last time is it favoritism <laughs> I <mean> nothing <laughs> nothing she brings bread <laughs> <laughs> she brings bread to the ghosts and hauntings round there is my mother more questions than answers. there is more questions than answers my mother and my father of course came from a very poor east london background in the 1940s when they were growing up and they didn't have any food and they were very very poor um, my family only had one dice, so they were playing a board game. My mother's playing a game of snakes and ladders, and she rolls the dice, and it goes between the cracks in the floorboards, and they lost it. They had to bring the floorboards up just to carry on with the game is what they're doing. <laughs> the other thing that happened is, do you know you get a little cup to shake the dice in when you're playing a game? My mum, for luck, would, like, suck on the cup and kiss the cup and you know, before she rolled it. Um, she swallowed the dice once. So they're, oh having a, they're having a family game and, my, and they're saying, stop messing around, Jennifer, you know, carry on. She goes, no, I've swallowed the dice. No, stop messing around. You know, you're ruining our game. No, no, honestly, you know, I've swallowed the dice. Anyway, a day later, my grandmother 
had to go through the motions and apparently she rolled a six so uh, she got another go apparently you say that i have a story about my dad apparently okay my apparently, grand, well, my, gra- my grandmother told when me this you say story. a story about your dad well, apparently are you suggesting that he's not your dad are we not bringing that up live on it <laughs> i've met your mother it could have been anyone in trimont <laughs> no what happened with my dad is that he every sunday they would go to church him and his brothers and my aunt was there seven brothers no was there seven brides for a man with seven willies Uh, you're watching musicals that's another story (laughs) anyway um so they'd go to church on sunday and they'd give each of the kids allowance money like a quarter or something my dad on purposely so he would have money for the week just to throw about for candy at the general store would swallow the money and fish it out really the next day yes oh no it's a true story was he ill or did he go through a change or oh (laughs) (laughs) it's a shame he didn't feed it to the cat because you could have seen how much money was in the kitty oh no (laughs) who hasn't read a story i'm completely confused i'm back on ghosts and hauntings all right okay it says firemen toughened up by bosses making them spend the night in a graveyard Fire Brigade chiefs in China have come up with a ghoulish way to harden up their men by making them spend the night in a graveyard. Can you think of a better way of hardening up men, Greg? Yep. The 25 (laughs) were made to go on patrol around the tombstones to carry out running exercises and eventually to sleep in the cemetery in northwest China's Gansu province. And bosses even had senior officers creeping around making spooky noises. Just to add to the scare factor, Fireman Sun Tzu, 28, said, I don't believe in ghosts, at least I didn't think I did, but when you are forced to spend the night in a graveyard, even the slightest noise gets you thinking i've been a fireman for nearly seven years and i've seen some pretty bad and scary things but the cemetery assignment i have to say pushed me to the limit that's going to be really useful exercise isn't it when they have to go into a burning building or actually cut someone out of some car wreckage where they say oh no i I can't do that i didn't train for that i went on the sleeping in the graveyard course so uh, i'm not sure i'm not up to date on on my burning buildings and car wreckages but if you've got a problem sleeping in the graveyard i'm your man the stillness and quiet anywhere else would be a perfect place for a nap but in the cemetery it is something else entirely pal lee 26 said i've been on ghost trains and the like with my son and even though he finds them scary i don't because i know it's fake but when we started to hear the wailing sounds which we later found out were being made from officers i nearly ran for it the fire brigade spokesman explained the training was mental quality training which was held to further improve the fireman's psychological endurance capacity four of the team have now left the service and uh, left them short staffed due to nervous exhaustion of course in addition the training was useful for them to face up to all kinds of unexpected events several of the dead were actually approached to be interviewed but refused to comment that is the end of the round that is ghosts and hauntings greg is yet to score i am on four heather's on two and Kim is on one as we run into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's the week's news of hairy beasties and green men from around the world. So where are we tonight, Heather, with our UFOs and cryptozoology? British man records Bigfoot sounds at Sherwood Forest. 
Sherwood Forest in Nottingham has now got Bigfoot sounds, is it? Yes. That's not Little John by any chance. No. The ghost of Little John. No. Okay. A man captured a string of laughing-like vocalizations some people believe could be the British Bigfoot. I didn't know you had them over there. It has been rumoured. There's a place called Cannock Chase, which is in Birmingham. And it's a very small piece of land compared to, you know, Bigfoot being seen in California and so forth. When you consider that the entire British Isles is only the size of New Hampshire and it can fit 240 times into America. But uh, various experts have said even though cryptozoological sightings have been seen in various places around Britain, these dense wooded undergrowths aren't big enough to sustain a colony because they have to eat, they have to forage, and the, the area is not large enough for them to sustain food, they suspect. So Bigfoot sightings have been seen in Britain, but it's probably some drunk students running around the woods in gorilla suits, I suspect. But I've not heard of anything in uh, Sherwood Forest. This is news for me. Bigfoot enthusiast and researcher Adam Bird was with his teammate exploring Nottingham's Sherwood Forest when he captured the mysterious sounds on March 1st. Some of the strange vocalizations sounded like screeching. Bird, also the founder of the British Bigfoot Research Facebook group, didn't know there was one of those. I'm learning a said, lot of new things tonight. Uh, some sounded almost like a hyena's laughter. He captured the purported vocalizations in a nine-minute video he posted on YouTube. In it, the two men were walking the forest as Bird holds the camera. The other man is seen attempting to communicate with the alleged beast by means of wood knocking and screaming. Done any wood knocking lately, Greg? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay, just checking. After five minutes of filming, Bird notices the first set of sounds. After the unidentified sounds subside, Bird says the forest fell silent. But Bird is not making any specific claims as to what made the sounds. They want other people to listen to the screeching and provide constructive feedback. In December of 2014, Bird claimed to have photographed the unproven animal while investigating the wooded area in the Friskney nature reserve you're just making random words no up friskney uh yes it's called friskney i oh, can see that from go. upside down <laughs> i can read your notes there you go the images showed the hominid like silhouette supposedly hiding behind the trees yes or was it a man in a gorilla suit going for a wee we shall never standing know. up standing could've, up could've of been female yes if you listen to last week's show it is now possible for women to stand up and urinate freely on all manner of undergrowth and woodland creatures. I've got a story here that says UFO Buzz's live TV morning show. KOCO 5 News in Oklahoma City posted a short video clip this morning of a strange UFO object shooting across the skyline. The video is from CCTV mounted at the top of the Grand Casino located east of Oklahoma City. At the beginning of the 6am news broadcast, they showed a live video from the Grand Casino camera showing traffic on the nearby I-40. A bright object can be seen shooting off of camera seemingly nearby and moving away from the camera and to the right-hand side. It appears to be luminescent the entire time. The broadcaster did not mention the object, nor did they appear to notice it in the broadcast. However, KOCO posted the 13 seconds of video when the object can be seen on their website with the title caught on camera ufo flying through the sky near shawnee so strange and bizarre unworldly beings visiting oklahoma let's hope they can recognize them 
when they arrive. If anyone wants to see the videos and the photographs of the stories that accompany tonight's show, they can do so by visiting More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee on our Facebook site, where all of the stories are there for you to peruse in glorious Technicolor, and you can click on those and see the photographs and all of the images of the stories we're discussing tonight. So you're more than welcome to join us on there. You can also join me on my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. We have over 42,000 followers on there. So it'd be fabulous for you to join us from all over the world. And we can share all of the news of the strange, the bizarre and the paranormal. I shall give myself points. I am now on six. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? It's not about bread again by any chance, is it? Flying no. donuts or <laughs> pretzels seen in Loch Ness breaking the surface Melons. waters? Mountains. Melons. Oh, sorry. I, I no, was, it's not. No, it's not about <laughs> melons at all. You got me all excited that there was mountainous melons, and now you just, you know, throw it away. And uh, Boston Yeti selling swag to benefit the MSPCA's animals in need. The Boston Yeti. Yep. Like the Boston Strangler, only a bit more Yeti, <laughs> is what I'm guessing. The Boston Yeti is using its newfound notoriety to help some fellow furry friends. The abominable snowman gained a huge <laughs> following on social media during Boston's epic winter by running around the city in costume and stopping to help dig out stranded drivers. I like the way that the abominable snowman has to wear a costume. Wouldn't it be funny if Bigfoot and Yeti, the abominable snowman, actually has a human skin costume that they zip up and then can go to Walmart and wander <laughs> around freely? So Wasn't all that these, on Doctor Who? There's all these people, everything's been on Doctor Who, there's all these people wandering around the woods looking for Bigfoots and looking for Yetis. And in Britain, there's students running around Sherwood Forest as we speak, drunk, dressed in a gorilla costume, yet all the furry creatures that are in the woods are currently zipping themselves up in human costumes and are wandering freely amongst ourselves without being detected. It could happen. It's a possibility. Mm -hmm. That would be a shock on your wedding night, wouldn't it? <laughs> Was it? Hairy. You're hairy like <laughs> animal. Yeah, baby. Oh, behave. <laughs> Do continue, Kim. It's almost like he's in the room. Now the un unidentified prankster is selling Yeti swag to raise money for the Massachusetts Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Cruelty to abominable snowmans. <laughs> the Yeti said, From the beginning of this unprecedented winter, I've been determined to channel the positive energy that surrounds me toward an important and worthwhile cause. The swag, illustrated with quirky line drawings of the Yeti by Rhode Island-based artist Jeff Smith, is being sold through an Etsy store appropriately dubbed Boston Yetsy. Boston. That's difficult Boston. to say, isn't it? It is. Boston Yetsy. Is there a picture of this guy? Did you see what he looked like? No, I didn't. I wonder if that's online. If people want to go and see that, we'll have to put that in place. Heather, what have you got? You have another story. I do. I want more points. You're desperate. So you've not won a game, I don't think. Like since, forever. Uh, since we began series two, I'm led to believe. I think you're right. I think the key is to keep quiet and then you amass points. That's where I think you're going wrong. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> oh, no. Woolly Mammoth cloning project has begun. Woolly, this is Jurassic Park, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Scientists have extracted the DNA of a well-preserved mammoth in the first step towards creating a clone. Led by Korean cloning scientist Kwang Woo-suk. <laughs> Korean cloning scientist yes okay. Kwan Wu Suk so his name's 
Kwon Woo Suk. Kwon Woo Suk, who's a Korean cloning scientist. That's right. If you say that three times, <laughs> and, um, a genie will appear and we shall have a wish. Uh, the man behind the world's first cloned dog. The team of Russian and South Korean researchers has begun its attempt to produce a live mammoth by first extracting the DNA from a specimen found in Siberia. We take samples of bone marrow, said Semyon Grigoriev, director of the... His (laughs) his mum was Russian and his dad was Chinese, I think so, director of the Mammoth Museum in Yakutsk. (laughs) You do? You do? Yakutsk. Yeah, something like that. Yakutsk. Yeah, Yakutsk. It is one of the best materials for DNA analysis. What, your is is one of the best places for DNA analysis. Uh, If the samples are good, then our coordinated work, I think, will allow in a year or two to decipher the world's first nuclear genome of the mammoth. If the team is able to accomplish this, then the reconstructed DNA would then need to be transplanted into a live elephant embryo in order for the mammoth clone to be born. Doesn't it take two years for... Uh, An elephant's gestate. Yeah. I didn't even know elephants laid eggs. This is remarkable. They must have a big nest. What are you talking about? Embryo. Oh. I didn't say egg. What's an embryo? It's like a little egg, isn't it? I didn't know elephants laid eggs. No, it's an egg and then it becomes an embryo after it's fertilized, yeah? Yes. So. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Elephants' eggs. Wait a second. There's a Dr. Seuss book about an elephant laying an egg. There you go. Or hatching an egg, wasn't it? Yes. Horton. No, it's not Horton here. So who? What is it? I don't know. We could be here all night, ladies and gentlemen. (gasps) Whatever. We'll be here long enough for a mammoth to walk through here in a minute. (laughs) Uh, If they succeed, it will undoubtedly be the one of the most important scientific accomplishments in history. Well, for you to be able to read out a story and not mess up any of the words. All I'm saying is that I thought that was pretty interesting. It is. What is remarkable is they have actually brought back species that have been extinct already. Um, in Britain, in a place called uh, Woburn Abbey, there's a safari park, and they specialise in rare breeds of cattle and of deer and things like that. And what they do is they take the embryos of an extinct species. For example, there was some deer, wild deer in China, that became extinct. And what they do is absolutely right. If you get a mammoth, for example, like the DNA, and you mix that with an elephant, the offspring is going to be 50% mammoth, 50% elephant, right? right? If you do that again... Right, do you see what I mean? And then those two mate, you're then getting more mammoth. And the more times they mate, the more mammoth you get until at the end it's like 98% mammoth. You keep working your way through it. And then when they bred all these rare deer, they then shipped them back to China and they reintroduced an extinct species back into the wild in China on the back of doing that. So that's the process. And you're absolutely right, it'd be very bizarre. I almost imagine a time when you go to the zoo and you're seeing extinct species wandering around i think it would be fabulous to see one there is a piece of footage if you go and have a look there was a guy wandering through siberia i think he was out there um looking for oil so he was a geologist and he was out camping in siberia looking for possible places to start drilling for oil and he was working for a big corporation and he happened to have his camera with him and you can see what looks like a woolly mammoth Mm -hmm. walking through the river in the distance so if anyone wants to see that i think it's a russia or siberia and mammoth and uh, the guy was in a river if you look on uh, youtube and search for those things i'm sure you'll find them but for the world it looks like a mammoth wandering through and siberia is so large it'd be no surprise to me if there were woolly mammoths still wandering around in general to be honest they reckon there's dinosaurs roaming around 
the Amazon. And they found sure. a fish, didn't they, off the coast of uh, Portugal some years ago. There was a fish that was thought to be extinct for 10,000 years, and then a fisherman pulls it out of its net. So it is possible that these things exist, and they are still out there. That's a fabulous story. You have now six resplendent points. So at the end of that round, Greg is still yet to score. I'm on six, Heather's on six, and Kim is on one. Be sure to stay tuned as we explore further the week's news of the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, bread, pretzels, Bigfoot, crop circles, woolly mammoths and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and these and how even of these <laughs> phenomena. It's incredibly difficult to say who, what, when, where and why all in a row especially if you have a lisp and how of these <laughs> phenomena this we mentioned last week didn't we that the person that invented the word lisp must have been very cruel for putting an s in it but i often think it's even worse because has anyone heard of the condition called bell's palsy yes right bell's palsy is one one side of your face just drops down which makes it impossible to say two letters because you can't pronounce them with your lips because a side of your face has been pulled down and those two letters are b and p so someone can't say the words b and p what shall we call this we'll call it bell's palsy i just think that's very cruel in many respects meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m central time in the banquet room of the american legion club in wake park minnesota for more information you can visit their website on la pig.org they also have a fabulous facebook site as well with the week's stories of ufos and cryptozoology if you go to the lakes area paranormal interest group on facebook it's all there for you to look at for people who believe that standing in a cold river in the middle of siberia in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal the Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who has experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you believe that your business or product would benefit from being mentioned live on air across the nation and the globe to a large target audience of morbidly fascinated and strangely interested listeners, I would love to hear from you. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania for the annoying inability to say Abominable Snowman live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hooray and a happy dance all around the bedroom. High fives all around. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. 
where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolour for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me stories at mqta at rocketmail.com and at my Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore TIPS, that's T-I-P-S, the International Paranormal Society. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and thankfully my mother has now stopped snoring from the room next door. In actual fact, I'd better go next door and check with the mirror that she's actually still with us. We run into the round that is the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the world this week that didn't fit into any other category, Kim. And now can be read out <laughs> in the round that is strange and bizarre. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Man finds python in his box of cornflakes. I was going to say man finds python in his boxer shorts. I was just thinking, well, that's a regular occurrence, isn't it? That's what every man has, surely. <laughs> You've been fooled. Yes, I have. Australian Jared Smith got the shock of his life when he ventured into his kitchen to make some lunch. The unsuspecting 22-year-old discovered that an enormous snake, which later turned out to be a two-meter-long diamond python, had taken up residence inside a cardboard cereal box. Hang on a second. How big are their cereal boxes in Australia? Have How long was this python? Two meter long. Two meters. So you're looking at about seven foot. Yes. How on earth does a seven foot snake... They must have bought it at Sam's Club. Get into a box. <laughs> <laughs> you say that. I bet, I bet at some point during this week, a big box of cereal from Sam's Club arrives on your doorstep saying thank you for advertising our <laughs> cereal-based produce. That's right. Uh, despite the small size of the box, the snake had somehow managed to curl up inside and was almost completely out of view. Smith got such a shock that when he saw the reptile that he dropped his meal on the floor and ran in terror for the kitchen door. Now, he dropped his... What made him even look at the cereal? Was he having cereal for lunch? Or he... These just don't go into enough details, these stories, do they? I just confused. really wanted to find out if he was having cereal for his lunch. You know, mac and cheese, and then the cereal box started wiggling? What? Well, just, just the, the cereal box just started <laughs> randomly you moving. You thought it was maybe a mouse in there? I've had that happen before. I think the mice might have been in there, and the python thought, hey, that's my dinner, and... Uh, he just lied and waited. That's right, it's like ready meals. In. Ready meals for snakes when, you know, you shake a bottle of cereal and... You know, a bottle of milk and you get your cereal and the mice fall out and you put milk on them and that's his dinner. Oh, see how that works? Having alerted his father, who happened to be home at the time, he promptly called up the local wildlife rescue service and asked them to come and remove the snake from the house. The python was over two meters long and I couldn't believe it was jammed into this small cereal box, said the animal expert. When I got there, I actually had to tear the box to get it out. That's how tightly it had squeezed in it was. That's terrible. You try read that sentence out again. When I got there, I actually had to tear the box you had to, to get it out. had to tear the box to get it out, yeah. That's how tightly squeezed, squeezed in, in it, it was. was. Okay. What? Nothing. You keep going. I'm just enjoying myself. I'm going to record that and play that tonight, and that's going to take me to a happy place hearing you read that out. Just saying. I'm banking that in my memory. 
<laughs> what are your Christmas special? I'll play some music in the background while you're reading that Excellent. Out. <laughs> it's likely it was hiding in there to feel secure. Unfortunately, or excuse me, fortunately, diamond pythons are non-venomous, but they can still leave a nasty bite. Yes, and you wouldn't want one as a neighbor. The thing that worries me about Australia is the 10 most poisonous snakes in the world Eight of them come from Australia. I think the Taipan is the most poisonous. Yeah. There's spiders that crawl up your bottom when you're going for a wee and sitting on the toilet. There's jellyfish. There's all manner of nasty things roaming the streets. There's spiders there with switchblades taking money off of old women on street corners. It's terrible. Everything about Australia is either poisonous or You've now deadly. alienated Australia. Thank you for listening once. Oh, I don't. It doesn't need me to do that. <laughs> the whole of Great Britain continually alienates Australia. I mean, oh. We only have to start talking about the cricket and then we're in a whole world of hurt and pain for sure. I've got a story here. I'm going to give you some points here. Let's recap. Greg is yet to score, so he needs to chip in at any point. I'm on six. Heather's now on eight. Kim is on one. I have a story. It says, Mum, I used to be someone else. Five-year-old claims he was a Hollywood actor and has been reincarnated. A mother's life was turned upside down when her five-year-old son told her that he used to be a Hollywood actor and was reincarnated. It all began when her son was four and experienced vivid and haunting nightmares. It was not until one year later, however, that Ryan Hammonds was five that he shared his secret. Speaking to US program today, mum Cindy from Oklahoma he said, Mum, I have something to tell you. I used to be someone else. I see that Oklahoma has now become the capital of the odd and strange. So Florida obviously would be very disappointed and they need to pull their finger out. But it became clear to her that this was not just a child's imagination running away with itself due to the shocking level of detail he would recall from his past life. Ryan said, she turns to the page in the book and I say, that's me, that's who I was. The actor was actually an extra in a film with no lines. As the details of Ryan's claim became more specific, Cindy sought out the help of Dr. Jim Tucker, a professor of psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences at the University of Virginia. Speaking of Ryan's case, he said, these cases demand an explanation. We can't just write them off or explain them away as just some sort of normal cultural thing. A film archivist was able to identify the unknown actor as Marty Martin, a former movie extra who later became an agent in Hollywood. The former actor died in 1964. Professor Tucker added, if you look at a picture of a guy with no lines in a movie and then tell me about his life, I don't think many of us would have come up with Marty Martin's life. Yet Ryan provided many details that really did fit with his life. Let's hope I never get a chance to come back in spirit into a soulless, uneducated shell of a human. Well, that's what George Bush's spirit did, I'm guessing. Controversial, <laughs> bit of politics Is he dead too? I don't know, is he? You tell me. I'm just saying the spirit, I'd, I don't know, but we'll have to go and check online to see if that's actually taken place. I find that very odd that a small five-year-old boy can point to a picture of a gentleman in a, in, a, in a photograph of a movie book and said, I used to be that man, when that guy just had a very small you know, part in the film and didn't have any lines and turned out just to be an extra, and then delivers all the details of that gentleman's life without knowing who he was. I remember doing an interview with a lady 
about five or six years ago. Some of you may remember there was a small boy that claimed to be a, a Second World War fighter pilot whose plane crashed in the seas around Japan during the Second World War. And this little boy claimed to be a reincarnation of that fighter pilot to the point where he actually knew the name of his wife. He actually knew the names of all the guy's sisters. They took him out to Japan and they got him in a boat and the boy said, this is where my plane crashed. And they went down there and found the remains of the aeroplane. Didn't they, um, didn't, couldn't he name all the members of his crew too? And then the name of his plane yes, and stuff like that? everything. And then he met some of the crew that were still alive. And he met his, what would have been his sisters that were now elderly. And uh, the whole thing was very odd. That little boy was drawing pictures, you know, with some crowns and had all the numbers on the aeroplanes right and all the details. Quite remarkable. So it's very strange how those things happen. Just to add a little bit of controversy, I did some studying this week um, in the Bible because... I was very interested about what the Bible says about ghosts, about spirits, about angels. It's, a, it's an interesting document if you're looking at the history of mankind and the phenomena that was taking place in there. But as a theologian, I was studying the Bible and I thought, the Bible doesn't talk about past lives, surely this isn't something that's brought up in that text. And I was wrong. There are numerous places in the Bible where it talks about past lives, and I found this to be quite remarkable. There was one occasion, I'm not going to go all religious, it just seemed very interesting that we're told by right-wing fundamentalist Christians that you, you die and then have eternal life in spirit, when in actual fact, there's so many places in the Bible that talk about past lives and reincarnation. I don't know why it's never been seen before and why I'm reading it and thinking, why has this never been spoken about before but there's a moment where jesus is talking about a man who's blind and he cures his blindness and his disciples say to him well how comes that man's blind when he was blind from birth is it because his parents did something bad or did he do something bad are you suggesting that that man did something bad in his previous life to make him born like that and jesus says no that's just how it is he, he didn't do anything bad in a previous life so jesus doesn't admonish his disciples he actually tells them that that's not why he's blind. So that's very interesting. Then there's a moment where he's talking to Nicodemus, who's a rabbi, and Jesus talks about being born in the womb for a second time. And the rabbi says, what do you mean reincarnation? And again, Jesus doesn't correct him. He just says, you can be born in the womb for a second time. And he explains that to Nicodemus. Then there's a moment where he's with his disciples and they're on the outskirts of a village and uh, Jesus says to his disciples, who do the people in the village think I am? And uh, I think it's Matthew, Mark perhaps, I think it's Mark then says, oh, well, the people in the village think you're either John the Baptist, who, who was beheaded by that stage, or you're Elijah, who's a prophet, who was also dead at that stage. So Jesus is being told that the people in the village think he's the reincarnation of a dead prophet. And Jesus doesn't correct them again. He just says, well, who do you think I am? And uh, Mark says, well, you're the Christ, and it's the confession of the Christ by Mark. So even from the lips of Jesus, he's discussing reincarnation. And I'm thinking, why hasn't this been seen before? Why am I, you know, there's other things as well. In the Bible, it mentions the word death quite a lot. But in the original um, translation from Hebrew, it says the word deaths. So it's a, a plural rather than a singular, and it got translated um, in 1611 from the St. James Bible. So deaths was mentioned as a, as, a, as a plural and not as a singular. So you will have deaths and not death, again suggesting that. And there's so many places, you know, when we're talking about reincarnation here and we're talking about past lives, it was just interesting that this week, 
you know, I did some studies on that, thinking that the Bible wouldn't say anything, you know, along those lines. And it's actually crammed full of information on past lives. So it's very odd, you know, what you get taught and what you get spoken about by, by religious leaders who would have you believe this doesn't happen. Because as a psychic, you know, as you well know, I do readings and I talk about people's past lives and their spirit guides tell me who they've been and what they've been up to. And it never sat really well on my shoulders that everything I'd written, you yeah, know, written, and, and spoken about in the Bible doesn't talk about that, but in actual fact it does. So uh, I found that to be quite remarkable. It's all there in black and white if you wish to go and look those things up and see them. There's a fabulous website called Biblegate.com. If you go to Biblegate.com and type in Nicodemus or whatever it is, it will come up with all of those um, lists for you. We are on the round of the strange and the bizarre. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in Strange and Bizarre? Fire extinguisher factory destroyed in massive blaze. The word <laughs> irony springs to mind, doesn't it? <laughs> a Chicago factory that makes chemicals for use in fire extinguishers was destroyed in a massive blaze Thursday night. The extra alarm fire broke out in the Archer Heights section of the city just after 9 p.m. at the industrial building on West 38th Street. Within 30 minutes, the building, which housed several businesses in addition to the chemical factory, was completely engulfed in flames. More than 150 firefighters responded to the scene, and it took them nearly three hours to extinguish the fire. The crews had difficulty getting enough water to the building because of a lack of hydrants and had to perform an inline operation in which six trucks were spaced out over a mile and connected by hoses to pipe the water. I found that interesting. Well, they had to pipe the water. Using six trucks over a mile, yeah. You'd think there'd be something closer, wouldn't you? You would think. Especially in Chicago. Yeah, it's, it's not near anything watery, is it, by any chance? Well, and with the big fire Chicago's already had, you'd think they'd be set up. Wasn't that done by a cow? What, the fire was set by a cow? We're we yeah. talking about arsonist cows now. There's, there's, there's herds of cows going not around with matches. this and fire, plant. but isn't it the Great Chicago Fire was... Cows messing around with matches. No, they... Fireworks. No, it pushed over newspapers. a lantern in the barn or something and it burnt down. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long <laughs> So this is all you've learned about American history from the 12 years you spent in education in this country is the Great Chicago Fire was caused by a delinquent cow with a bunch of matches messing around. I'm going to look it up on my they phone. They haven't even got posable thumbs. How's that even possible? I'm going to look it up on my phone. The Great Fire of London back in uh, 1666 was caused in a bakery in Pudding Lane. There's a big monument there. Which in what lane? It's called Pudding Lane. Pudding. Pudding Lane. Pudding. I tell you, it's Pudding Lane. The interesting thing about that fire was that there was terrible plagues, you know, the Black Death, and that fire wiped out, you know, most of London, but it killed all the rats, so it actually cured not cure, but it stopped the Black Death from being as prominent as it was because everything got torched and burnt down to the ground, unfortunately. But that was started. You're still looking at that, aren't you? You're looking at that. You don't believe me. There's gangs of delinquent cows playing with matches and I'm telling you, it's true. Fireworks and the like. It's very Look, ironic. It's on here. Okay, go on then. Read it out. Um, it's not happening for you quick enough. No, it's no. it's not. Oh. Connection it's somebody issues. said, yeah, did a cow do it? See, I'm not the only one. Well, was it, oh, a cow jumped over the moon after it had suddenly set Eight fire. Cheese. Eight cheese, yeah. <laughs> These cows are very delinquent, I tell you. They do nothing but hang around. I'm telling you, hold on, hold smoking on. Smoking cigarettes and hanging around in Walmart and the shopping malls. 
Um, pointing at people, making fun. I'm treading water here it while did. you're messing Insta- around. It said it, it was actually, historians agree that on Sunday evening, October 8th, 1871, the Chicago fire did indeed start in the barn of Mr. and Mrs. Patrick and Catherine O'Leary. O'Leary. While the blaze ironically spared the O'Leary home located on the city's west side. Imagine the cows running out going, we're free, we're free. Um, it said the rest of Chicago was not so fortunate. Before the fire died out on the early morning of Tuesday, October 10th. That was a long fire. Wasn't it, October just? 8th through yes, the 10th. it burnt for a long time. Um, it had cut a swath through Chicago a approximately swath, fine, but yeah. uh, three and <laughs> three. one-third square miles inside. Yeah. Was there any cows involved in this one, Kim, or was it just normal ruminants messing it's around? It's being investigated. It's being investigated. They're looking into uh, it. It said, so did Mrs. O'Leary and her cow cause the fire, or is this merely a 19th century urban legend? An analysis of the original transcripts of the inquiry in 1871, Chicago real estate records and other period source materials provide powerful evidence that the latter may be the case. It's like the far side, isn't it? You can see a group of cows messing around with matches in the corner of a barn. This is where we are. Smoking hay. Whatever. (laughs) I wouldn't want to drink that milk. That would cause you some problems, wouldn't it? (laughs) But you'd be hungry. That is a fabulous story. You are now on four wonderful points. We move into the round, the final round that is not for your mother. This is the round where if there's anyone of a nervous disposition, if there's anyone that's easily offended, minors, children, elderly, people of that don't wish to listen to things that come from the news of this week that are going to be perhaps a little bit innuendo-laden, maybe. There's going to be sex mentioned somewhere. If you're one of those people, you need to remove yourself from the room, turn off your radio, and go and lie in bed in the dark with a wet washcloth on your face and a nice hot cup of cocoa. Heather, you you turned your notes over so I couldn't see what yes, you're I reading did. out. As if you think I'm going to cheat when I'm actually responsible for the scoring. You are currently on eight points and you're in the lead. So you could indeed snatch defeat from the very jaws of victory. Oh, and do you want me to start now? Yes, I'd like you okay. to start. Are you being sarcastic? Is that where we are? <laughs> you can't give you a mind. You're back on seven. Hey, stop now. Okay, you're back on eight. Uh, someone on a British Airways plane. It's always Britain, isn't it, with you? You go out of your way to find the daft and ridiculous things that Brits do. Took a crap. Okay. So bad that it had to turn around and come back again. (laughs) (laughs) When you say the crap was so bad it turned around and came back up again, wouldn't that mean he would walk funny? Oh. (laughs) Oh, no. Can you imagine it? It shoots back up and works its way back in. And Can you really get sucked out of an airplane if toilet? I been what? Can you be sucked out of an airplane, airplane toilet? toilet? I wonder what you was going to tell us then. No, I haven't, madam, but I'm hoping one day it might happen. <laughs> a British Airways flight was forced to turn around and land oh, over the, the weekend. Oh, the plane turned around and went back. Uh, because somebody had did a crap so oh. bad that the plane was essentially rendered useless. God, they put a flag in it and did guided tours. Imagine living your life in the knowledge that you once turded so appallingly... <laughs> 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 that a seven. Oh dear! <laughs> that a seven forty-seven had to turn around and land. A seven. That's a jumbo. <laughs> that <laughs> your liquid crap. Oh, brought, <laughs> I'm brought a five hundred thirty-three million dollar <laughs> airplane <laughs> juddering out of the sky. Imagine <laughs> looking your loved ones in the face after that. <laughs> looking your loved ones. Imagine in the hugging face. your mom. You couldn't. 
Your butt is essentially a terrorist. <laughs> I stopped an aeroplane with my weekly stall. I went in there with the newspapers to work out my week's television viewing. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the BA flight from Heathrow to Dubai on Saturday <laughs> had to turn around and flop back down again. Was it Heathrow. listing? Did it come back in, kind of pulling know. to one side with the wings slightly down? Mm. Everyone had to get up and stand on the left-hand side of the aeroplane just to even out the weight distribution. <laughs> it, was so just, it was literally just 30 minutes into the seven-hour flight. <laughs> they sent a lion around. tamer in there with a whip and a stool in his hand just to bring the thing down. Hertzmere Tory councillor Abhesh Sakdev. Oh, you're making words, aren't I know, you? I'm just clicking. Who is clearly not, or who oh. has clearly not heard the he who smelt it, dealt it directive. So he actually names the person who did it. No, he just happened to be on the flight. Oh. And as well as tweeting his response, which was insane, our BA flight to Dubai <laughs> returned back to Heathrow because of a, a smelly poo in the toilet. 15 hours until the next flight. Oh, Hashtag no. British you Airways. You would happy, would you? He also spoke to the Daily Mail about the ordeal. Again, imagine making a smell so bad that a Tory councillor talks to a national paper about it. Was it the smell, though? Was it the fact that it was so, like, it, had, it was articulated and had, like, an elbow joint I don't in it, know. But they, then other people that went in there... Creature from the Black Lagoon. ...couldn't use it. Do you see what I'd, I'm saying? I don't know. I'd like to be able to hear the conversation between the pilot and the tower. Hold on. <laughs> wait, wait. The pilot made an announcement. We're coming in hot. <laughs> made an announcement and requesting what? A biohazard team. <laughs> and a whisk. <laughs> a blender. Oh. Smoothie, anyone? Ew. Uh, the pilot made an announcement requesting senior cabin crew, and we knew something was a bit odd, he said. About 10 minutes later, he said, You may have noticed there's quite a pungent smell coming from one of the toilets. He said it was liquid fecal I'm excrement. Oh, I'm starting to feel sick now. Those are the words he used. It gets better. There's more? Everybody in Britain at some point no. has had a piss at a train station. I talked about this last we've week. All, People get electrocuted. We've all lifted the toilet seat and, like Pandora's box, scared, stared into the abyss-like doom of someone else's medically inadvisable droppings. This is like listening to Charles Dickens, but talking about going for a stool. <laughs> but the question is this. How, and merely specifically, why is it possible to crap up and around the rim of a toilet. And what? side question, how does one crap up a wall? This story should have finished 10 minutes ago. What are you even reading out anymore? Crapping uh, up walls. Yes, I know. Anyway, the flight was rescheduled for the next day and British Airways has made a statement saying, we're very sorry for the discomfort to our customers before providing everyone on the flight, including the road rogue... With the modium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> including the rogue crapper. Presumably <laughs> the rogue crapper. That sounds like something from the Victorian period. It's not Jack the Ripper, it's the rogue crapper. <laughs> the rogue. Oh no, it's the rogue crapper. Uh, whoever they may be, because they never found out. With During the week, Jack Smith was just an ordinary businessman. That was Jack Crapper? But at the weekend, he roamed the streets of Whitechapel and was the rogue crapper. Ba, ba, ba. That sounds like a great comic. Uh, safe travels, rogue crapper. He's got RC Peace written be on with him. your lower intestine. Oh. <laughs> Do you think when they held up air traffic control, they created a log jam? <laughs> I've got a week. I'm here for the. You've made terrible, me feel. You've made me feel ill. 
Oh. I'm just. Uh, it was a great story. I thought it was fabulous. You could have just flown over Germany and kicked it out the window. <laughs> there were, goes. Okay, we no longer have Australian <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry. We no longer have German We've listeners. We've alienated all of the states in the southern part of the US. <laughs> we must have lost at least five listeners. Shocking. <laughs> Unbelievable. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? Please don't be a turd story. I'm feeling sick. <laughs> it is not a turd story. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Amazing service lets you send your enemies a bag of delicious. Keep in mind, I'm quoting here. Okay. Until now, this insult made zero sense. Sure, you could tell your enemies to eat a bag of dicks. Your enemies. But it sounds plenty insulting. But where would one acquire such a bag of reproductive organs to eat? Hang on a second. Has anyone ever heard of the phrase, mm. go and eat a bag of dicks? Yes. No. They're making this... You've heard of that? Yes. Really? Yes. That, has you heard of that before, Greg? No, I haven't. Well, you can get a point for that. Um, <laughs> Kim, have you ever heard of that? No, and I actually... I wanted to change the wording on here because I wasn't comfortable with it, but I thought if I change it and people actually have heard of it, then it's not going to be... I'm not telling the story correctly. Well, you're either. the one who's going to be fined, not me. <laughs> you go for it. I'm, you know, if you've got $10,000 going, you know, you just go for it. I'd... I'd never heard of it before. So, the insult has finally been made valid again, thanks to a service called dicksbymail.com, which allows you to send a bag of edible gummy dicks to your enemies or even your friends with a good sense of humor. The edible penises are chewy and sugary and automatically come with a bold print message. They automatically come. Oh. <laughs> they have a soft center then, I'm guessing. Cream filled. <laughs> we aren't going to be on air much longer. <laughs> they have a bold print message instructing the receiver to, in fact, eat a bag of dicks. Their website spins their invaluable service in a surprisingly friendly but snarky way. It's not meant to be a threat or a way to bully. If you are sending this with the intent to ruin someone's day, then maybe it is you who needs to eat a bag of dicks. How a bizarre story. Who sits in a business meeting and says, I've got a really good idea. What we'll do is we'll get these gummy, edible, penis-shaped candy and we'll get them to send them to each other. And they probably had the great big easel with the white tablet on it and, and drew went up and great big drew weenie, yeah. what they were talking about. A weenus. <laughs> there you go. And probably a we No, a weenus is the bit of flesh mm. on your elbow. Oh. Yes, but it does sound slightly rude. Weenus. Yes. Yeah. I was yeah. wondering who would serve uh, that shape macaroni at their mother's birthday party yes there is hey. a story to tell there kim, <laughs> kim I, I forgot about that i believe you uh, you are you are in the uh, you need some points is what i'm telling you so uh, tell us the story about the uh, the pasta then and running out what took place come on on national radio well, we had to make pasta for an uh, open house celebration for my mother's 80th birthday. This is what your mother's 80th birthday, this is what she yes. gets. on your, your, I've met your mother. She's a very quiet, timid, very religious woman. Very, very insular. Very, very. Where was the party at? Very easily offended. We're in the apartment building where she lived. Oh, thank God it they was in church. They had a common room. So we were making up the pasta salad and decided that we were worried we didn't have enough. And living out in the country to get to the grocery store, et cetera, et cetera, 
uh, decided to look in the cupboard to see what we had. <laughs> okay. And we had the pasta penis as... Um, so someone bought you as It a, was a joke for a bridal shower. So, right. So for, yeah, I heard that, yeah. So for a joke, bridal shower, someone bought you a box of penis-shaped pasta. Yes. So baubles and twigs and everything. Twig yeah. and berries. Yes. Okay. And, and you'd run out of pasta for one of the dishes you were going to deliver for your mother's 80th birthday party in the apartment. Right. So okay. we made it up and we added it into the other pasta that was normal. <laughs> she, oh, she, she cut the penis pasta with normal pasta. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, the best part of the story, though, was... watching was your mother eat it. Yes, that was hilarious. But we actually told her later, and she thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, but hasn't spoken to you since. Didn't you say that there were people that came up to you and said, this is the great salad? Oh, absolutely. Well, when you told your mother, she reminded of her wedding night, apparently, because uh, she had pasta then as well. Uh, <laughs> we well only your sisters and one of your brothers knew what was going on. During yeah, the correct. Yeah, nobody knew until after. Oh, well, that sounds fabulous. It's it's remarkable is what it is, and I'm glad you managed to confess that live on <laughs> Your air. birthday's coming up. <laughs> I don't mind talking about it, but I don't want it rammed down my throat. Swinging pensioner Colin Frankham reveals all about having six girlfriends. Do you know what a pensioner is? Oh, I thought you were going to say swinger. <laughs> Retired. No, I think, you, I think I know you know what that is. Retired. Yes, yeah, someone who's over the age of retirement. Yes, yeah, swinging pensioner Colin Frankham reveals all about having six girlfriends. Colin Frankham is a pensioner with a difference. The 70-year-old former university professor has bravely opened up about his lifestyle to tell the world about his six girlfriends and their propensity for sex parties. They must like How old is he again? He's 70. Pensioner. He's 70 years old. They must all like having old age creeping over them. Oh. Frankham told the world of his player ways in a new documentary series by Channel 5. OAP's behaving badly. OAP stands for Old Age Pensioner, which delves into the saucy secrets of Britain's pensioners. When you're old like me, there are lots of women around because lots of guys have died off, he explains. This is natural selection. Uh. So if men like me help out more than one woman, then we are helping society. Don't worry, sweetheart, I'm helping society. Here's a tissue. We are noble. You just have to select the ladies that are a bit more amenable. And flexible, I'm guessing. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> that must be your hip replacement. It's not just multiple girlfriends that Colin's known for. He's now entered the secret world of suburban swinging, despite recently entering his eighth decade. The cameras follow Colin and one of his girlfriends, Karen, as they attend their favourite swingers party at a smart detached resident in Radlett in Hertfordshire, organised by the host, 67-year-old Richard. I have sex maybe twice a week, which for the age of 70, I don't think is that bad. He says he has sex twice a week, but on each occasion it lasts seven hours. <laughs> Organised by host 76-year-old Richard. Here we go. He says, I hope when I'm 90, I'm still going strong. It's all good fun to go to a swingers party. There's nice food, good friends, penis-shaped pasta, and if you like, there's sex too. I'll take Viagra which will help give someone a good time. Let's hope he doesn't get stuck in his throat because we don't want him to have a stiff neck. It's not just Colin. 
Karen and Richard, who are into this sort of carry-on either. Raimondo, a a self-styled psychic healer. There's always a psychic healer called Raimondo. With a promiscuous past, still has a high libido. Now the 73-year-old is on the search to find a younger woman to start a family with. What? Yes, indeed. Raimondo attends a tantric sex session, which will increase his bedroom repertoire, and joins an energetic belly dancing class in the hope that his moves will attract a younger admirer. I just think it's odd that a man would join a belly dancing class straight off the bat. I mean, that's that's not something you hear much of, is it? No. You think that's odd? I'm yes, I there, do, actually, yes. I'm sitting there thinking a 73-year-old wants to start a family. Yes, he does. And I think it's odd. His name is Colin. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this has also been brought up and mentioned. I just I hope when he finds the woman of his dreams and he looks at her naked, he doesn't realise that it all needs ironing. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place, with the dead battery and the K2 meter flickering away in the darkness, it's Greg on a resplendent one. Tied for second place is myself and Kim, who are both on a very respectable six. But in first place, with the $33,000 IR camera, with a resplendent and magnificent and truly fabulous eight is Heather. This is the first time you've won. I just want to thank the Academy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Don't get carried away. There really isn't a $33,000 IR camera. Do not fear, listener. Remember, I'm back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal. Strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. That's T-I-P-S. And remember, at any time, you can go to SoundCloud and search for MQTA radio and you can find all the shows in there completely unedited with an extra 15 to 20 minutes of stuff that isn't broadcastable to the general public these are the extras the things that we can't put out on live radio without being removed so you're welcome to look at those my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris jeton drainer kim and greg gore and all at the international paranormal society at int paranormal And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON, Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. And remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.